You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Leon. Let's go! Hi guys, welcome to episode number 60 of Ace Comicals. And it is just me and Leon again, so... Hi, Leon. Hey there. Hello, yes. Uh, just the two of us, but as always, we have plenty to tell you about. And I'm going to open up with the fact that I have been pretty much binging the second season of Sabrina. Now, it's no secret that we are huge fans of Sabrina on this show. Um, we talked about a Sabrina comic just episode last, and we did a show where we discussed at length, and I mean at length, because it was like a two-hour show or something, wasn't it? Uh, two and a half or something. Yeah, the uh, the first scene is in of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina when that came out on Netflix last year. And um, there's a bit of a theme with the way they're releasing these because this one's been released around Easter and Sabrina being what it is, it's um, tied into uh, Satanism, religion, uh, pagan, it's Satanism, Christian religion, uh, paganism, all those kinds of things, like a, a confluence of, of stuff. The occult. occult. Yes, the occult. And uh, being released around Easter, it has some of those themes included in it. And so non-spoilery, how are you, yeah. what, what are your general feelings on it? Because um, you've watched most of it so far, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, this show just goes from strength to strength. I I love it. I'm, I'm like, I've got half an hour left of the last episode, so that's how far we've got. And I only started watching this like two days ago. So... <laughs> The full binge, like Netflix got you. It's been my weekend, yeah. It's just like, but I've been doing, it's not, it's like the classic binge as well. Like I've been sat there, like me and my girlfriend have been sat there with like packets of cookies on the coffee table. And like, I've, I had like a carton of banana milkshake and some cereal. And then in between Sabrina, when Sophie's not been watching Sabrina, cause she's been off doing the things that she has to do. Um, I've been watching episodes of TAS. <laughs> How so far are you, you through TAS? Um, oh, are you are you like dashing uh, back and forth? Back and forth. Like if okay, I want to read, yeah. if I watch an episode, if I want to go back and watch the episode again, I will. I think I'm like my Blu-ray set. It's just all. I think I'm on disc three or four. Hmm. And I've watched just watched the Zatanna episode. And then I uh, watched cool. The Shadow of the Bat uh, two-parter, which is the uh, introduction of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. So nice. that's that's actually the last episode I watched, Shadow of the Bat part two. So you've been like taking... Uh, your downtime from Sabrina has been Batman Tears. You can't complain. No, <laughs> that's that's how it's been for the past <laughs> three days. Um, and I actually, yeah, that was that was my Friday night, actually, Batman TAS. So yeah, that's that's where I've been. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. But yeah, I mean, Sabrina season two is is absolutely fantastic. The show goes from sh- strength to strength, and Conan Shipka is a really really good actress. Like she is so good, especially in this second season as Sabrina. And there's just so many brilliant things. I don't want to spoil it because there's a lot of things. It's hard to talk about this without you know without spoilers. Yeah, because the, as as from what I can uh, ascertain, 
it the the show pretty much just moves episode to episode. Like there's no reset per season, is there? No. Yeah. It just it just carries on. It. I mean, they even actually in the numbering on Netflix, it's part one and part two. Yeah. So they don't really separate them by season. They just say Sabrina part one is the first few episodes, and Sabrina, you had that Christmas Christmas special type thing, mm. and then there was Sabrina part two, which is like another nine episodes. So, yeah, it doesn't really have a, a reset. It just carries on like a a second chunk, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's all really, really good. And it definitely builds on the solid foundation that it set up last year um, in really interesting ways. And some of it is things that you might have been able to see coming. And some of it is stuff that will... It'll just be like a, a, a right hook out of nowhere, basically. But it is is a really, really good show. And yeah, if you're not already watching it, you need to get on it. <laughs> and uh, maybe go back and check out the previous episodes where we've talked about it as well. Um, yeah, where we go in super deep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd like to go in super deep on season two when we, when all of us have watched it, maybe. Um, we'll see how that goes because I know uh, there's a few things actually that I would really love to get in and discuss properly, but I am bound by the laws of spoilers at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So on top of that, um, in my usual floating around the internet, I've come across a few things that I'm looking forward to, but before that, um, Leon, you've been trying to complete some kind of mammoth task. Where you've been yes. trying to rewatch like every MCU movie up to so, Captain Marvel. Yeah, after, after uh, watching Captain Marvel a few weeks ago, I remember I was looking at my Google Calendar, um, and I have like a releases schedule on there for like lots of big movies and stuff. And seeing where Endgame was, um, I remember looking at the calendar and thinking. Man, I, I could rewatch all of the MCU in that time. Because, um, like, Game of Thrones is back... As we record this, Game of Thrones comes on tonight in the US. But it would have been a couple of days ago by the time you guys hear this. But um, I had wanted to, after Season 7, to go back and rewatch all of Game of Thrones in the run-up to the final season. But I never got around to it. Uh, and it's, like, it's, it's funny that we're in this period where this April, um, to, like almost one is longer than a decade the other one almost a decade running like pop culture capturing sagas are coming to the end or like the end of their particular branch because like the mcu will continue but it'll be a a new phase Um, and it's funny that all this has happened at the same time so i wasn't able to do game of thrones but looking at that calendar i thought i can rewatch all the mcu in that time it's it's only 22 weeks and one of them still in the cinema so yeah, this is possible. I can do this. I can do this. So I uh, like sort of mapped out, created a spreadsheet that I have showed uh, Greg and, and Rahul. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's uh, like laid it out, put it by directors and I wanted to score it so that at the end I could like order them in, in terms of make a definitive list for myself. 
over what I think are the best to worst uh, MCU movies. And yeah, I, start, I started that task and um, it's uh, gone surprisingly well, actually. Um, like at, at the moment, I'm near the end of phase two. So I've just got Ant-Man to go and then I'm on to Civil War and the rest of uh, phase three. Uh, which is the phase of the most uh, um, uh, uh, like movies in it, because <laughs> it's uh, it goes six in phase one, six in phase two, then it jumps up to like nine or so in um, in phase um, three. So um, yeah, I started went all the way back to Iron Man, two thousand eight Iron Man, and um, yes, it's been quite quite a ride. Um, most of these movies I've seen multiple times anyway. But there's a few here and there that I'd only ever seen in the cinema or like maybe uh, once in the cinema and then another time over at Friends in the background while we were talking. Because the MCU are very good movies for just social repeat watching. Even if you're not a, as big a fan of a particular movie, it, it does work um, as a like repetition type thing. Like... I, I think they all get better on repeat watches, even the even the movies I don't like that much. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been not not really eye opening, but more um, uh, more I don't know refreshing in a way because like your mind and like discourse around a particular movie like he- helps establish this narrative. That maybe you disliked or liked this movie more than you actually think you did. So, like going back, it, I, I think I like every single movie I've watched so far more so uh, than I did having watched them the last time. And uh, I, I don't know if I've been vocal about it on the show, but I've never been a big fan of the first two, uh, four movies, um, mm. and I was never really a big fan of uh, Iron Man two. Or the Incredible Hulk, but on rewatch, there's still movies that are probably going to end up near the bottom of my list. But they're all better films than I remember them being, uh, yeah. despite some of them having some really big, big flaws. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I could do a whole episode uh, recapturing <laughs> the MCU, um, and because I've got a lot of thoughts about each movie going through, and I've been Maybe. trying to. Do like post, a little um, catch up on Instagram. Maybe post Endgame, we will. Yeah, so I've got I've got a lot of thoughts, and I think uh, Endgame um, and all, all the movies coming after. I think they help all the past movies because, say for instance, I never I never disliked, but I was never mega hot on Captain America: The First Avenger. But where we are now in the story. Um, a lot of that stuff that I probably didn't care as much about in that movie. Um, like all the stuff that's happened uh, subsequently just feeds back and actually makes that stuff a lot stronger. And um, yeah, I definitely think that I, I underrated that movie a lot um, in my, in my watch and memories of it since. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that would probably be a good idea. Like, cause um, it's just, it's interesting on a number of levels, not just, uh, them being big spectacle movies based on superheroes, but also how they sort of uh, shaped and changed uh, like pop culture on a mass, and it's like the most successful franchise in cinema history. And um, it's 
one of the probably the only example of uh, a company and they were the first company to do it a shared universe of movies and it actually is still going where everything else that has tried to copy has sort of failed mm. so um yeah i think there's a, a lot to talk about and also just the very notion of um uh, monoculture in a way and like how especially with disney buying them have they taken a, a particular safe route to to secure like um big box office and it's are they like risk averse in some ways but then um but also what it means in terms of the actual source material and how the movie versions of these characters have shaped the public consciousness's um identity or feeling of identity for all these characters but um in many ways, it's not what the actual characters were and yeah. what, what the changes for, what, what, what have the changes been for the better and what have they been for the worse? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of meat to dig into. So Def- may, maybe if we get time, we can, yeah. uh, for, from, chat crap on the mic for two hours. <laughs> should, yeah. For me, definitely from the point of view that these movies have influenced and changed the source material because they've, they've grown so big and, and so powerful in, in their their kind of like yeah influence really yeah yeah, i didn't want to use the word influence again i was looking for another word but in the way (laughs) in the way that they've influenced pop culture and and everything else they've become so big and so powerful that their gravitational pull has warped the actual source material yeah worse and it's interesting to see the changes that have come in via the movies into the actual comics themselves and you know what i actually quite like it how that's worked in some places as well it's like it's really really good it's been yeah. really, it's been really good for comics actually yeah and that's the thing like um i think there's a lot disney can do better to um help the comics out mm. um uh and that's something we, we we've spoken about before uh yeah. offline and I think we we could have a good discussion about that in in that episode. But um, yeah, uh, one one thing I'll just leave it at, at this point is that I think the biggest strength of the MCU so far, beyond uh, whatever else it has been that people like Kevin Feige have done, I think the the best and probably the key and backbone to their success is their casting. I think their casting directors um, have worked magic and. Um, Across the board, uh, like 99% of uh, the people cast in their various roles have just knocked out of the park or in, in a lot of cases done a lot with a, with a little bit of material. And um, I just think that the reason it's as big as it is, is like a lot of that is, in due, uh, is due to just how good the cast are and their chemistry. Yeah, indeed. Um, moving on from there. Uh, it is like a list of things that I'm looking forward to now because uh, there's a few things like in my floating around the internet that I have sort of like come across that are happening next month. Um, Yeah, all of these are from May actually. So um, we'll start off with this thing that I happened across called Deceased. Um, The D and C are capitalised and it's Deceased. I don't um, get it. You you don't get get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a six-part series starting in May, and Dark Side is 
or at least appears to be the main antagonist slash root cause trouble of the story because um cyborg comes back from apocalypse infected with the anti-life equation which spreads via the internet and social media and all hell breaks loose from there and it looks really really cool and um on the surface of it it's kind of like an infect i don't want to say zombie story because I don't know, is, is it a zombie story, isn't it? It's not, I don't know, it's, it's like an infect. It, basically it's an infection that spreads and people become infected and it's how how the Justice League and whoever deal with this. And it's self-contained as well. I, it doesn't sound like you actually have to do any reading to understand any of it. So you don't have to know what's currently going on in the DC universe to get this event. Um, And yeah, I... I saw some really cool horror movie covers, which um, I have posted on the Ace Comicals Twitter account. These these like horror movie variants that they've released for it, which are beautiful. Um, all kind of like riffs on classic horror movie posters. Um, my favourite one being the um, the Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah, which is Batman and Ivy, and that one's great. Um, the yeah. um, the it one is pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, the it one's cool. Uh, with Robin and the Joker, but the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street one's just definitely my favourite. But um, I read some preview pages for it as well. It's looking good. Um, it is the same writer as the um, Injustice comics, which you know, obviously that could have been um, that was that was the video game tie-in for the Injustice game. So it's the same writer and uh, they were relatively well received. People like those. So be interesting to see where this goes. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Also on here, um, uh, Batman and the Outsiders are coming back. So I was looking at this and I was fairly excited for this because I like my classic Batman and the Outsiders comics. Um, this is Batman's team outside of the um, the uh, Justice League. And they do things that, um, that the Justice League might not necessarily agree with. But Batman, obviously, you know, these are the people that he calls on to get things done. When the Justice League probably wouldn't want to help him. Um, and this is the eighth, This is coming out on the 8th of May. And uh, we've got a preview blurb for it from uh, League of Comic Geeks which is the website I use to keep track of all my comics uh, stuff. So, um, when the quest for justice drives Batman into some morally ambiguous areas, he calls in the most moral man he knows, Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning, and his team of operatives known as the Outsiders. Several years ago, Batman personally put the Barrera family into hiding after they suffered through terrible experiments at the hands of an organisation called The Ark. Now, all but one of them has turned up dead, and Batman needs to locate Sophia Barrera before the wrong people get their hands on her and her surprising power. But it wouldn't be Batman without a hidden agenda, would it? And when Black Lightning, Katana, The Signal, and Orphan find out what Batman is really up to, their every loyalty will be called into question. And this is Batman in the outside. So we've got writer Brian Hill, um, artist Dexter Soy... Uh, cover art by Tyler Kirkham. I've got variant cover by um, Stepan Serik. Um, I think that's how I'm sorry if I've said your name incorrectly. I do apologise. And yeah, it just it just sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, that's Batman and the Outsiders back. 
Um, other things we've got um, in May, obviously, new comic book, uh, free comic book day, new comic book day, new comic book days every Wednesday. It's free comic book day. Um, and that is what, only 20 days away now, Leon? Yes, yeah. it's uh, rapidly approaching. Yes, and um, I've been having a quick look over what's going to be available on free comic book day. and um, Which is good of you, because I only ever check on the Friday or the Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, you know, had a quick run through now, because I thought, we're 20 days out, you know, I'm going to have a look at the list. And um, there's some pretty cool stuff. Um, there's a Stranger Things comic. Of course. Which has Jeff Lemire on it. Um, there is a Buffy and Firefly comic, which is Greg Pat, Geordie Belair, Ethan Young, and Greg Smallwood did the cover, so that'll be quite nice. It's um, a perfect jumping on point for the wedding verse, as they describe it, with all new stories from the worlds of Boom Studios' hit series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Firefly. So, so is that um, new Buffy or old Buffy? It's new Comic Buffy. wise. It's new Buffy. Okay. So also on top of that, actually, to go along with new Buffy, they've started doing a new Angel book, which just kind of came out of nowhere. So Yeah, I've seen that advertised, yeah. Yeah, that's on its way as well. But yeah, I mean this um This is a this is the free comic day for like kind of like a an advert for Boom's wedding verse stuff. Because Boom have all of the wedding verse things now, apparently. Um, there's a Riverdale book, uh, which is like... Um, is it Riverdale, the show? It can't, yeah, it is. Yeah, see yeah. where it all begins in this brand new story based on the smash hit CW series, Riverdale. Riverdale, the day before. Uh, well, no, Riverdale, the day before is... Um, the writer who writes this has written something called Riverdale, the day before, which is kind of set like a prequel to the Riverdale show. Uh, we've got this, uh, yeah, the Stranger Things book. Um, there's a Turtles book, which I'm really looking forward to, which is part of the um, road to the 100th issue, um, which I am super stoked for, and I will be grabbing this one. And uh, New York City has just erupted into war as Splinter battles Karai for control of the Foot Clan with the Turtles caught in the middle. Find out how the Turtles got to this point as they battle some of their fiercest foes in this special free comic book day offering. So, I think that's kind of like a, a, a gonna gonna be kind of framed like a recap. Like mm. this is what has happened so far, and that'll be worth grabbing. Um, there's a there's some Avengers one. Uh, there's a Do- Doctor Who book. Uh, there's always a Doctor Who book. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there literally always there's a Doctor Who book. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some really cool stuff. There's a one that caught my eye called Interceptor, which has got Donny Cates on it and Dylan Burnett. Uh, Polly has a mech suit and a mission. Weep has machine guns and a temper. Together, they lead a band of freedom fighters on a planet populated exclusively by blood-sucking vampires, a planet called Earth. Uh, Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett bring you neon-drenched, blood-soaked, all-out vampire warfare. And this is the Dylan Burnett from Cosmic Ghost Rider. Okay. So, yeah, that is probably going to be very good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Pokemon, I Choose You. Oh, yeah, there's always a Pokemon book, isn't there? Yeah. Um, there's a a new tale from the world of animosity 
which is uh, Animosity is a comic that's been on Aftershock. Um, on the day known as The Wake, the animals rose up. They began thinking, talking and taking revenge. This free comic book day, we bring you the intertwined tales of three lives and a date with destiny amid a black comedy apocalypse. But yeah, there's there's tons and tons and tons of stuff. So, I mean, the list is live on the free comic book day website. So you can go check it out. But those are just a few of the ones that stood out to me, basically. But there's a whole a whole list of things here. What do you um, think is going to get uh, swooped up? What 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 I think is going to go first? Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that um, that turtles one might go quite quick, and possibly that Stranger Things one. Hmm. Maybe the Buffy one as well, because these are things that are all in the zeitgeist at the moment. I don't know. Yeah, the Buffy one, I can see that mm. uh, moving. Stranger Things one, maybe the Avengers. Oh, uh, but yeah, Stranger, yeah. of course, yeah, that's gonna. That's the Stranger gonna go. Thing, the Stranger Things one's gonna go. The uh, the Avengers one's gonna go. Oh, there's a Catwoman one as well. Um, Under the Moon, a Catwoman tale, a graphic novel illustrated by Isaac Goodhart. And um, when 15-year-old Selina Kyle becomes homeless, she must confront questions of who she is and who she will become. From New York Times best-selling author um, Lauren Miracle and artist Isaac Goodhart comes a story about a teenage Catwoman as she struggles to find her own identity while living on the streets of Gotham City. This free comic book day special edition features a chapter from DC Inc.'s upcoming original graphic novel, Under the Moon, A Catwoman Tale. Plus a sneak peek at Teen Titans Raven, another DC Inc. graphic novel. That'll probably be worth checking out as well. And that probably go quite quickly, I reckon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's funny that there's always uh, certain ones, each each one, where I'm like, well, I'm going to have to push some cosplayers out of the way because I need this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little kid. I'm sorry. I'm I'm happy you're enjoying your first free comic book day, it just, and uh, you yeah. want to get this particular thing. But I'm here. I'm here for this. It ends with uh, us kind of like crouching down, trying to bargain with a ten year old kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, come on, but that, man, but look. That, the thing is, though, that is one of the better elements of free comic yeah. book day. Yeah. Um. Not not the uh, trying to uh, rip off kids. But more the, because some of the shops, so I think like Forbidden Planet often give you a random selection in a bag. Yeah. Um, and then what can be really nice of that when you're lining up somewhere else to go in uh, and someone else you might overhear, which is something that we've spoken about on the cast before. We overheard somebody needed a particular issue and uh, I think it was Rahu who had it and yeah. he like offered up, oh, I've got a duplicate of this or like, I don't care about this, take this. And it's like, I think that element of it is really nice because um, yeah. you get, uh, it's, it's a cool opportunity to, talk to other people who are mm. like um who are who are, in, who are like uh interested indeed was that the rick and morty day. i think so yeah yeah there was a rick and morty i remember that i remember one year we've uh, either last year or the year before there was a rick and morty comic that went very 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 quickly yeah i think it was the year before yeah when rick and morty was big news yeah. <laughs> was when the show was still on yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rick and Morty still is big news to some people. But yeah, back in those heady days when Rick and Morty was big news and we were all younger. Yeah, um, different times. Yeah, different times, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And that's it. Yeah, that's that's everything I'm looking forward to coming up in May. So there's a, a whole list of things there for me to look forward to. And um, there's a thing coming in July that I spotted actually, Leon, that I wanted to bring up with you because um, I thought you might appreciate it. And it looks to me like, as a Dragon Ball fan, it looks to me like the logical ending of Dragon Ball in comic form. And this is going to be published by Dark Horse Comics. And this is called No One Left to Fight. Um, and this is on shelves in July. And um, this is just... The artwork for it is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And... It, it, it looks, <laughs> like, really cool. Yeah. It reminds me of, like... Um... Artwork you'd get for Street Fighter that wasn't on the packs. But you know, you'd see it like on posters yeah. and stuff like that, and it's like super, it's more detailed than what their normal artwork is like. Do you know what the first thing that came into my head was when I saw it? Ashura's Wrath. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's it's that kind of like in fact it looks very Ashura's Wrath. It's that kind. It looks like it's going to be that kind of like OTT action anyway. Yeah, where it's just like um, just ridiculous, like larger than life, punching planets type thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throwing planets at each other type stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. And the artwork and the character designs look really cool. And there's more than a little bit of like when you look through some of the character designs and you hear them described when you read the descriptions for the characters, there's more than a little bit of influence from Dragon Ball in there. Mm. I mean, there's two that are the first two that I've seen here that they're, they are basically just Goku and Vegeta. Yeah. Definitely. No two ways about it. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And that is no one left to, uh, no, it's called No One Left to Fight, and it will be published on Dark Horse. It's a mini series, and um, that is um, Aubrey Stitterson and Fico Osio. So yeah, we're looking forward to it. So I guess we'll both be picking that up in July, then, Leon. Yeah, I'll be checking it out. Yeah, I'll give it a look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's as mad as I want it to be. Well, I, I like the idea of. Uh... In being in that um, in that tradition, like a big, big fighty, uh, yeah. like mangrish book, but also um, it, it being on Dark Horse, it reminds me a lot of um, Dark Horse comics of my youth, and um, where they're a bit more edgier, a bit more more dark. So um, yeah. I'm hoping, like, it looks nice and colourful. So I'm hoping we get a good mix. Um, and all the different influences sort of uh, bleed mm. bleed through and we, we In, get something quite fun. Indeedy. And this is, I guess what this is now is this is we're getting a whole generation of creators where manga and anime have shaped Western superhero ideals. Yeah, we, 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 uh, I think in the last sort of decade, we saw a lot of that bleeding through to Western animation. Mm. Uh, and you'd see like certain designs and comics uh, which adopted a lot more manga um and uh, anime um visual tropes and i think what's happening now is that we're getting the sort of evolution of that where yes. in, in, instead of it being it, it's all quite individual and still very western 
but the influences are uh, beneath the surface and, and bubbling through. But it doesn't mm. feel like um, it doesn't feel like it's just a Western version of like manga. No, uh, no, I think that's quite cool. Yeah, it's its own thing, but it's it's obviously taken a lot of influence from that. And these are people that are probably have probably grown up watching the same things we've grown up watching and things yeah. like that. And that's that's what's kind of cool about it. I like that. Um, yeah, that is the list of things that I'm looking forward to. Um, I suppose there's one more thing actually that we should bring up before we move on to start reviewing comics, and that is the uh, the Joker t- uh, trailer that got released. Yeah. Um, was it like a week ago now? Two weeks ago? Uh, yeah. Time moves uh, really yeah. weird now. I think a week. I think a week. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's still light at eight o'clock at night, and that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't used to be like that. No, but yeah, um, yeah. This um, this Joker trailer. Um, which is Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. What, I mean, how do we feel about that? Because I, on first impressions, like, well, I've watched that trailer like three or four times now. Mm. And I'm on board. I don't know about you, but I'm on board. Well, I think my opinions are pretty much the same as they were before the trailer. Uh, where it's, a, for me, it's a case where this is not a, a movie I would have asked for because I don't really care to have any origins of 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 a joker but with that said um i kind of like the idea of uh dc warner brothers um getting a bit more loose uh, like their animation department and in their animation department they're covering different uh dc stories all the time and because there's no big cinematic canon they have to feed into or some cinematic universe, it doesn't matter. You can just, you can just adapt a comic book in, into a, a nice 90-minute animation. And I, I like the idea that, like in comics, you can have one-shots, which uh, non-canon or canon, whatever, that explore a, a particular character and delve into their psyche a bit and give us a, um, a, a decent understanding. Um I like. I think that's commendable if they're gonna if they're going to do that because um, I, this is something that we're never going to get with Marvel really in terms of live action. But like, I like the idea of being able to do that and like because obviously we got Jared Leto, who's a Joker, who was in Suicide Squad, um, and this is obviously not connected to that at all. It, it seems to be in its yeah. own. Um, own thing and I, I hope DC make more movies that are not part of an extended universe so mm. yeah I, I mean I, I'll see it um, it's uh, the thing is though like I think Joaquin Phoenix is amazing and I think he's going to knock out the park I think the cast that they've assembled are really good um, lo- lots of um, actors that I like in other things um, who, are, who have excelled in the other things that I've seen them in and uh, I would hope, because originally this was being produced by Scorsese, but he left last summer, I think. But like watching that trailer, you can see why. Uh, like there are this, there are so many like visual influences from like Scorsese of that era, stuff like uh, uh, King uh, King of Comedy, uh, that um, I worry. Uh, that it might end up being like 
too much of a homage mm. and will lack its own identity. A lot, uh, of, a lot of people have been making the taxi driver comparison. Yeah, I, I think I think that's in there. I mean, it's that it's that whole uh, decade of like Scorsese work that you can feel it uh, sort of bleeding through, and obviously the the movies like shot in New York and and, and Jersey, so. It, it, it will be interesting. I hope it's not just um, a sort of Diet Pepsi version of Scorsese, and I hope that it's it's using the Scorsese syntax and uh, to to tell a a story like this, uh, featuring like a a supervillain, but in a more uh, grounded, but like um, uh, I don't know, like brutal but also honest way so I'm, I'm hoping they do that and I hope this movie's R-rated because mm. uh, that hasn't been confirmed yet but I just don't see how you do a Scorsese-esque Joker film and it be PG-13 yeah. it, it looks like it's going to be R-rated from that trailer uh, I really hope so um, mm. Like, but then they, that's what they did to Suicide Squad didn't they because I think at one point they were teasing that it was going to be R-rated um, but I hope it is. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Todd Phillips's stuff, but um, I think there's ample opportunity for him to uh, do something special. I think so. I, think, I thought Scorsese, Scorsese was still on board with it in some way, shape, or form as well. I didn't know he left it completely. No, he was producing at the beginning, oh. um, but it was only for a short amount of time, and that that might have been to uh, like. Get, in the, in the early in the room like the mm. producers writers room just to throw some ideas out there yeah um but yeah like i think he's he if i'm correctly he's no longer a part of it so yeah, it'll be interesting it's got it's got like a mid-tier budget that makes it feel like it's going to be an r-rated movie uh so i i hope it is because i think it could do something really special in the same way that um Fox did with like Logan, where Logan wasn't um, Logan wasn't beholden to anything else before it really. Yeah. Uh, in, in ways, it was like an Elseworlds tale. Yeah. Uh, and it and that a hundred percent, and it was R rated, obviously. That a hundred percent worked in its benefit. And if they could do something similar with this, obviously in a different style and tone, but if they can do something similar with this, then I think it could be something special and hopefully open the door for um, more. Uh, some more adult tellings of these stories mm. without them having to rely on Definitely. big budget CGI um, beams Definitely. in the skies and stuff. Definitely. I mean, I'm, um, I'm totally on board after this Joker trailer. Like it, it looks like my sort of story. So I, I really want to watch it. Um, and what you just said about Logan has reminded me, cause I knew there was something that I've been meaning to pick up on Blu-ray. <laughs> no, just yeah, reminding yeah. me what it is. It's like there it is, Logan. <laughs> I need that in my life again. It's such a good film. Um, another other thing about this Joker trailer. I've been seeing a lot of comparisons of the footage from the Joker trailer of Joaquin Phoenix and um, Heath Ledger. Like people have done like a video of them both side by side. Oh really? I mean, yeah. I mean, it is the internet, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's. I mean, we know Heath Ledger's the best Joker, but do I mean just let it be its own thing, man? 
Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I, I think the problem when it comes to all this stuff online, I think we just have to get into a position where maybe we just ignore all the noise <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Um, the, I I think that you, you hear all all this stuff and all this like whining, complaining, and blah 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 blah. But then at the end of the day, it has no bearing on what happens on the end product. Mm. Um, so, and I think all like pre takes are, I think it's, it's fun and interesting to, um, I don't know, to like, I don't know, to theorize and to, and to get together and, and talk about what you think is going to happen. And, but I think when it gets obsessive, it, I don't think it really serves anything. I think people should just be on the lookout and, uh, if if it looks like something they want to check out, uh, they should go and see it. Exactly. Uh, but I think you can't keep comparing because I think it's going to be different things. Mm. Indeed. Indeed. And I guess with that, we should move on to some of the comics that we have for review today. So um, I'm going to open this up by saying that we have been given a advanced copy of These Savage Shores number four. So, I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes, um, talked about this comic on previous shows. We, The last time we mentioned these Savage Shores was in episode number 54, and now number, uh, issue 4 is on its way, and that will be available on May 1st, and we've had it here early to read, and I've read it, and I absolutely love where this story is headed and also that it appears to defy classification it's like a melting pot of delicious ideas that work in perfect harmony and i'm not going to dig too much into the events of this particular issue but i will say that vengeance is raw and tensions start to come to a boil and yeah i mean i'm actually not i will do i will read out the preview text the shadow of war is cast over the land where people and promises are broken alike the smell of blood calls to beasts. Now is the time of monsters along these savage shores where hope is folly and fortune is the lie of a cruel whim. Now, everything about it is just like such such a great story. Uh, it's such a grand story um, about these mythical creatures. Uh, this. The, in fact, one of the biggest draws of it for me is the characterization of the mythical creatures with the Raxashas and the um, the vampires and their kind of like power struggle in where they are at the moment. And it's just... gets The, the claws on this book just get sharper and sharper as, as we get new issues of it. And the art just gets better and better. It's just, it's so good. Um, within this issue, there are some particularly nice examples of silent panels in the pages, and this kind of allows the art to speak for itself and do what it's good at, which is being amazing at conveying the mood and really drawing you into the heavy atmosphere of the book itself, and you really do get pulled into some of these pages, and um, especially with some of these full page panels that we get these these uh, fantastic full pages and these large panels that we get given on some of the pages these kind of like um large spread panels that show us kind of like a scene or a um give us a kind of a a, a panoramic view of something and there are some beautiful expression work and close-ups of faces alongside some really 
awesome visual action that flows wonderfully from panel to panel. Um, there is a particular panel and action sequence that condenses various beats of an epic clash into one single fluid image. And several moments appearing as one, as if these moments are so fleeting and so quick that if they showed it any other way, we'd have missed it. And for me, that is like this book doing something special with the power of sequential art. That is like, for me, that is like what, I mean, we've talked before about how comics can do this interesting thing where they can show several concurrent moments all at once, like things that are happening. Um, because if we take a panel as a measure of time, then you can get it where you get things that are happening milliseconds apart. But what they do is they kind of place them on the page in a way that they're all happening at once, like radial panels around a center panel or something like that. And it's just kind of like with this, this is like one panel, but there are no, there are no gutters. There's no borders or anything like that. If you will, it is just events in one panel, uh, in one horizontal panel, all happening at once, all as part of the same piece of art. And it's great. And it's just perfect example again here in this book for me, which is this book continues to do interesting things mechanically and at the same time tells a compelling historic mythical beast tale. And if you're not already following this book, then why not? Is all I'm going to say and how I'm going to leave it because, yeah, you need to, you need to get on this. And with this issue four as well, which is out next month, it's definitely worth putting in the time reading the first three pick them up read them get ready for this one because you're gonna love it it's great and these guys do some fantastic work and uh, i will give you a rundown of the team so it is written by ram v illustrated by smith kumar colored by vittorio astone and lettered by aditya bidika so um that is uh, These Savage Shores, and that is published on Vault Comics. And, yeah, it is such a gorgeous book. I'm just going back through now, back through some of the artwork here, and it's 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 breathtakingly beautiful. It really is. And, you know, some of the things they do here with the some of the movement in some of the panels and the facial expressions and just everything about it is just absolutely gorgeous so yeah i mean powerful book as well check it out that is the savage shores number four and from there um i mean leon did you read the first did you read the first three yet i've read the first issue but uh not long after you and uh, Rahul were talking about it, but I haven't managed to read the rest yet. But it's 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 constantly on my uh, list to check back in. Yeah. Um. Because like from like it does as you guys have uh, spoken like it looks so good and like there is a real um, meatiness to the themes presented definitely in in, in issue one. Yeah, because it's not it's it's a love story. It's a story about vengeance. It's also a story. It's also a historical tale. Um, it's just it's got everything. Like, and it, as I've said before at the beginning of this little tirade <laughs> that I'm going on at the moment, it's like this melting pot of ideas, and everything comes together so well. It's like there's no curdling going on in this pot whatsoever. 
you know everything everything mixes perfectly into this mm. beautiful smooth elixir i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and it just works it's great but yeah um it's definitely one that people need to pick up and read and like i say the claws of this book just get sharper and sharper and wow what a book it is so yeah that is the savage shores number four so i mean from there leon um do you want to take us through something you've read yes um i will start with section zero Aha. Uh-huh. This is the one that we mentioned on last time's pull list, isn't it? Yes. Um, so, Section Zero is uh, cre- created, uh, written by, and the art done by uh, Carl uh, Castle and Tom uh, Grummet, who are uh, fairly old-school dudes. I mean, these guys have been around for a long time, um, and they've... Uh, had their fingerprints in a lot of notable comics, uh, notably like uh, Adventures of Superman, um, especially I, I believe uh, Grummet uh, worked on The Death of Superman, um, as well as uh, a bunch of things, uh, Hawk and Dove, uh, Daredevil, uh, Harley Quinn, just these guys go back uh, quite a while. And I think back in 2000, Maybe it was a bit later. Uh, no, it was in 2000 uh, on Guerrilla Comics, uh, which was uh, at the time an imprint of Image Comics, uh, they released uh, Section Zero. Um, and it was about a uh, a covert organisation uh, that is uh, sort of run by the UN. And they are tasked with basically looking into uh, all different weird supernatural phenomena. They're kind of like um, if the X-Files were run by the UN um, and the people, if Mulder and Scully had powers as well, or if Mulder and Scully were like S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, X-Files meet S.H.I.E.L.D. in in quite a lot of ways. If if the X-Files were S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. I mean, the official official blurb here says um, Jack Kirby does the X-Files. Yeah, and I I, I don't think that's uh, 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 an overstatement. That doesn't Um, miss the mark at all for me. No, (laughs) and and, and so um, that ran for three issues, and then it was... uh, cancelled because there were financial issues uh, at Gorilla. So it just stopped after three issues, ran from June to September, and then it was done. Uh, gone forever. Um, and then uh, in the, the two decades following, um, Kessel and uh, Grummet had been trying to get off the ground, believed there was uh, Kickstarters, um, uh, and now it's back, uh, and back where it began at Image Comics. And um, yeah, it seems like the first issue, from what I've checked out, seems to be like the first issue uh, that came out in two thousand. But they've touched up and changed some things. But uh, yeah, it's back, um, and it's 
uh, it looks like they're finally getting to uh, continue with and complete the story that, I mean, it must be really, um, it must be really just frustrating to be on the cusp and have an idea and then have to sit on it for, for, for two decades. But yeah, yeah, now it's back and yeah, you've got, uh, you've got the squad, uh, going about doing their X-Files thing. So it, um, it starts with, um, what is his name again? Is it Sam? Yeah, Sam. So you have Sam, Sam Wildman and he's, um, tasked to, I mean, He's he's on a mission where in a south uh, southeast Asian country um, look he's on the hunt for something but we don't quite know uh, and he has to like trick uh, some locals into saying oh, I've seen the monster that you've been talking about and get them going somewhere so that he can find uh, a teenager called uh, Tom Talisi who uh, is. <laughs> Basically, is like a, a fly man, <laughs> uh, and uh, through through, fi- through finding him, um, at the same time they get pulled to do an, uh, a new mission, and that takes them to um, uh, Australia um, and uh, Ayers Rock in in particular, where there is something strange inside Ayers Ayers Rock, and. Um, that, that's pretty much the setup. Along that, we, we meet uh, Titania, uh, who is um, she is the Sam's like ex-wife, but she's also um, like the main uh, scientific person on this mission. We have Tesla, who's like a sort of teenage alien who mm-hmm. uh, he like pilots their their, their spaceship. Yeah, uh, you have. Um, uh, AJ Keeler, who is, he's their leader, but he, uh, he's like known for being like the leading voice or person on like supernatural issues. So I assume the world sort of looks at him a bit like he's a kook. Like crypto- uh, cryptozoologist and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas obviously he's working for the UN and leading up yeah. this, uh, this, uh, super team. Mm. I got mad fantastic uh, four vibes from this. Yeah, yeah, especially with his relationship with Tesla as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of like a father figure. But um, yeah, so you, you have this group of these like misfits in, in a sort of guardians of the galaxy way who are like tasked with um, checking out this strange, uh, this strange happening. And we learn a bit of, about of the characters in this first issue. But what it's really doing is um, laying down the main mystery and setting up the world. You have this uh, other operative group called the Ghost Soldiers, who uh, who are uh, who are out there and they seem quite dangerous. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite funny, uh, really, because it it has this um, the vibe where you're oh, we we like got we're creating like this this group of like uh, sort of uncanny. Uh, they're not really mess ups or anything like that, but they seem to be like um, a weird sort of band who have been brought together, uh, and it's like I can see different aspects of their in the future where it's, it's, they're going to feel like a family and they're going to have to deal with a lot of um, 
a lot of weird things. I mean, there's an alien in the group and a fly man that it feels like what they're, what they're going to interact with is going to be a lot, uh, a lot wilder and a, a lot more, um, out of this world. Um, and it seems like there's going to be a lot of, um, subterfuge of different, um, allegiances, um, going here and there and like, trust issues and, and all sorts. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely has this, the buildings of, um, uh, like a, um, I'm trying to think of the, of the era when it would have come out, maybe the eighties or something, maybe the early nineties of like yeah. this, this group who, who go out doing like a new superhero group. And I can easily yeah. see it, uh, them being like, um, a Marvel, uh, a Marvel run, uh, mm. just with their sort of, their their weird uh yeah. their weird uh ensemble of like powers and abilities. If I whispered Sat AM <laughs> Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, and, see and it. can you imagine I can imagine like a really cool action figure line for these as well. And like yeah. some some like really like high octane theme tune. Sat oh definitely <laughs> <laughs> Like Defence of the Earth type uh thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like uh like yeah. with, with less cheese. But yeah, no, it, 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 it seems, um, like it's weaving an interesting mystery. Um, and yeah. the, the first issue leaves us in a place where, um, uh, it, it leaves, it leaves us in a place where, I don't know, I think the rabbit holes goes deeper than, mm. than we thought it did. And, uh, there's loads of different questions, uh, are built up from the start. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, there's a, like a lot, happening in a way um and i'm wondering like how they're going to sort of thread the needle on it and how long they're looking to run Mm. because if it's not super long it could be a nice um a nice uh compact tight run um with with these uh screwballs um going deep in the web of the x-files uh, but if it runs too long, it could be a thing where it's just like another sort of superhero-y endeavour that, I don't know, doesn't feel as original as other things. Yeah. But I, I think this has enough in there going for it where it could be doing something quite fun. And I, I like that it's um, it's having fun with itself and not really pulling punches in terms of dropping um, weird things for the audience to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like, I, I liked this in a way that I like the Fantastic Four, um, and the X Files, and this is basically the Fantastic Four does the X Files, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm like, uh, when I'm reading it, it's got that kind of vibe about it, and it's, it's just nice and fun, and also it's, like, it's lighthearted, and it's just yeah. it's out there enough that you know you don't have. It's just it's not. That's the thing as well. It, it, it does just like really cool thing where yeah. it it feels. I'll, I'll probably have to go back and see if I can find a version of the two thousand one because it feels like some of the way it's set up and some of the look of the characters. It feels um like an early early two thousands like comic, uh, especially like Image or Vertigo. Yeah. I can definitely it feel it, it evoked the feeling of a lot of comics I read during that time. Same, actually, I was I got, uh, I got like nostalgic pangs when I read it. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, because it's 
uh, like colored, uh, lined and inked like now, I don't know. Like it just has this cool thing where like it has that element, but it doesn't feel dated and it, uh, but, and it looks, um, gorgeous on the, yeah. on, on like, I say on the page, uh, I'm reading it digitally, but like, uh, it just looks amazing. Hmm. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes because, um, this is the type of thing where, say, the original run ran to fruition. I could feel it being one of those things that's like, oh, you should check out um, Section Zero. Uh, yeah, that ran be, for like the, fifty the, issues. The kind uh, of thing that people might recommend when they recommend the boys to you or something. Yeah, like yeah, or like Why the Last Man or something. Yeah, because it, it has it has that kind of air about it, definitely, and um, it has it it has that energy that. Like, like you were describing that, that kind of like early 2000s, late 90s energy about it as where comics are concerned, which I quite like. And it did. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, cause you gotta think like when this was originally like done, this was pre 9-11, like the world changed a lot since the original version of this first issue came out, but it doesn't, doesn't feel dated. It has this really. And this fun feeling to it, and I wonder if the rest of the run, like what they have planned out, if they're sticking to it or updating it. I've got to assume the main beats of the story will probably remain the same, but uh, I bet there's a lot of um, nuance, and obviously, like so many different new influences on comics have come out uh, since then. Like it's two decades worth of uh, new things, so um, I'm hoping that as it goes on, it doesn't end up feeling dated but um, mm. instead feels uh, more timeless exactly I, yeah. I could see this being like um, a Netflix show you know oh yeah easy after after, after seeing what they've done recently with, with some of these um, comics I could easily see this uh, showing up on Netflix or Hulu yeah definitely um... uh, let, let me just give the rest of the credits uh, I, I said the Co-creator story and art was done by uh, Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet, but also the colours were done by Ben uh, Dimaj Mully, which I think I've butchered, I'm really sorry, uh, and uh, letters by Comic Crafts, Richard Starkins. Yeah. So, I mean, that was section zero, number one, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. And I'd like to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to track down the, uh, if it's the same as the, cause I wasn't sure if it was going to be the same as what was released before, but if you're saying it's, it's pretty much on, on beat with what was out before, I'm going to have to go check, track down the original three issues as well, I think. Uh, you're asking like, I, I'm not a hundred percent, cause like it's hard to find that stuff now, especially because when it yeah. originally came out, that stuff wouldn't have been online. Yeah. But, um, from what I've like seen and read, it does seem like um, like it's pretty much the same thing, but with a few updates to it. And obviously the art's been spruced up. Yeah, definitely. So from there, um, I just wanted to quickly mention the latest um, event in the Marvel Universe that I've been roped into. <laughs> Which is Marvel War of the Realms, and it is great fun. And it's this big, grand Asgardian thing that's happening in the Marvel Universe at the moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the blurb from the inside cover of War of the Realms number one. So, as it goes, For some time now, the Dark Elf King Malkith 
and his powerful allies have been laying waste to the Ten Realms. Nine have already fallen, including Asgard itself, ruined in a battle that saw Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, lost in the sun, and the Rainbow Bridge shattered. Most of the Asgardians have relocated to a brownstone in the Bronx. Now Thor has only a fragment of Mjolnir, an armory full of substitute hammers, and no way to reach Malkith, who has his own, build, uh, his own bridge to ferry his army between the realms, the Black Bifrost. Thor needn't worry about finding Malkith, however, for the War of the Realms is about to come to him. So the War of the Realms has reached Midgard, and um, it's just all Ragnarok breaking loose, basically. It's just like uh, loads of warriors from different realms, one big huge fight, and it is glorious. So much fun to read. It is like, you know, like these these fun Marvel events. Yeah. That you might remember from when you were reading them when you were younger. It's, it's kind of like that. It's got a lot of that about it, and I really love it. And uh, there's some cool tie-ins with Journey into Mystery, which puts um, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, at the front of a team of people to retrieve and save Thor's sister, Thor's baby sister. Um, like, the whole kind of like, the, the Asgardians as they were, the family of Thor, are kind of like all all there. Like, Thor's mum is like brandishing a sword and fighting, and Thor's brother Boulder is back from hell. Thor's got a pet dog called Thory. What? <laughs> Thor's Thor's pet dog. Um, it's it's mad. It's absolutely mad. But I love it. I love it for that. It's great. It's just, I just wanted to just bring it out, bring it up, and say it was really good th- fun. And then maybe when it's all over and done with, I will talk about it at length. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. That's it. So, like, how many different um, titles are part are a part of this? Um, oh dear. Uh, like, is this, is this the big thing that's taken over, or is it like a mini, mini crossover? It's, it's a big thing that's taking over, because uh, okay. you've got War of the Realms, which will run for six issues. You've got War of the Realms, um, you've got Asgardians of the Galaxy, uh, Avengers, Avengers at number 18 is in there. As Guardians of the Galaxy number 8 is in there, sorry. Thor number 12. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, number 43 is part of the event. Venom number 13. Uh, you've got War of the Realms Journey into Mystery um, which will run for five issues. War of the Realms The Punisher which will run for three issues. Uh, War of the Realms War Scrolls which of which there will be three. And War of the Realms, Uncanny Axe-Men, which will run for three issues. Okay, so it's not like massive, long, eat the whole summer. Well, it isn't, it isn't, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to, I mean, six issues is six months. Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking because different titles come out on different weeks, yeah. I mean, actually, actually, I think it is running weekly, actually, thinking about it. Let me just... uh. Yeah, because I think I think that list that I had there. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna run weekly, and then you've got like uh, stuff coming out in, into May. So yeah. Okay, proper yeah. question: How big is that brownstone, and how many Asgardians are left? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've not been I've not been keeping up with the recent Thor comics, so 
that's you know I, I I've gone into this knowing very little, but obviously you don't need to know a lot to get the fun that's going on. So, but yeah, a bunch of Asgardians living in a brownstone in the Bronx, no big deal. You know, kind of reminds me of um, fables in a little way. Yeah, where uh, in fables, like a bunch of fantasy characters are, are sent to the real world and or New York, and they have like a community in New York. Yeah, that nobody really knows about all their powers and everything, but there's like drama going on, and I, I kind of like the the base idea of that having all mm. these uh, uh, sort of pretty much Asgardian gods uh, hanging out <laughs> in the brownstone. Yeah, the uh, the the the, uh, the treacherous Loki shows up as well. Of course. Yeah, it sounds like a mix, uh, like going circular uh, a mix of the stuff that's happened in the in the, the mcu movies yeah it's it's thor centric but um it's like it it's everyone's involved most street level new york characters are involved i mean daredevil's in there somewhere um and Obviously, I've just mentioned with that list of comics from that's from the back of the first. I think that is just like the first lot that are available. This, like, um, there's going to be there's others though, other books available within the event. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be part of the event. Like, I don't think that's I don't think that's a definitive checklist somehow. So, but like, what I've had to do is I've had to just walk into the comic shop and and, and just ask them, can you put me down for this and all the tie-ins? Because I, I, I don't know how many are in this web. But... <laughs> I, you end up with a, a, a 200-pound yeah. pull list. It's defying... It, it's defied me anyway, because I've, I've looked at it and gone, I don't know what's in this and what isn't. That checklist doesn't seem to be definitive, because every time I see an advert in another comic, it's a book that's not on that checklist with a War of the Realms logo in the corner. So, <laughs> so just put me down... <laughs> for a list for, for, uh, put me put my, put me down on my list for everything that has War of the Realms in it and eventually I'll get the full story but yeah that's how it's going to work so moving on from there um, I'm going to talk about the two recent um, Ghostbusters 35th anniversary one shots that have been out because uh, they're doing like one a, one a week for April it's like a, a, a weekly thing that IEW are doing and um, the first two, we've got um, one that is the Ghostbusters Prime. So that is 30, Ghostbusters 35th Anniversary Ghostbusters. And then uh, we've got another one that is Ghostbusters 35th Anniversary Real Ghostbusters. And they're just one shots, so they're both number ones. This, like, we'll start with the Ghostbusters Prime one. And, and the story in this is called Heavy Water. And for me, it is like the perfect kind of Ghostbusters story. There's some ancient intrigues, uh, there's gods, there's relics. It would actually be totally at home as an episode of the real Ghostbusters. Um, and as always, the art and the writing are brilliant. It is the usual team, Schoening and all. Um, some fantastic comic moments here, some great ghost designs. I love the way they depict Poseidon in this story. And how grand his appearance is and, and how alien it remains. Like, mm. it's a giant silhouette behind a wall of water and he reaches through the water and his hand's made entirely up of, like, hundreds of sea creatures and stuff. And it's just really cool how they do that. Like, because I always, you, you always imagine, like, when, when you're shown pictures of gods or when you're shown imagery of gods and goddesses and things, they always look relatively human. 
They always look yeah. like us, but with some trappings of what they represent. Like Poseidon might look like me, but with like a crown made out of starfishes or something. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm like always a big fan of them making things look otherworldly to the point where they are fucking scary, and they're supposed to be scary because guess what? They're bigger than us, and they control things. And I just like the fact that when he reached through, it just looked like a silhouette of a of a man. And then when he reaches through the water, it's like he's made up of like sea creatures. And it's just something just wonderfully creepy about that. And like the fact that the way he was with the Ghostbusters, it's like they're so infinitesimal compared to him because he's a god. And, you know, just that whole that whole kind of like when when Poseidon appears in the book. It's just it's just brilliant. Um, but the whole story revolves around Atlantis, by the way, and and a, an ele- a relic that proves the existence of Atlantis that had been found and shipped to a museum. But obviously, that relic was imbued with some bad juju, and the Ghostbusters wanted to get to it before said bad juju got released, which didn't happen, or it did oh, happen efficient. and then it didn't happen. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great one shot, and it's worth picking up. And then the real Ghostbusters one, again, it's got a very classic feeling about it it's a very classic feeling real ghostbusters tale and it draws on the tone of the show and the now comic stories that we've talked about in a previous show perfectly and it has the charm and the goofiness that we know and love and it's just great for that and with all the best ghostbusters stories there's like a running theme and it's the balance between the goofy comedic elements and the actual supernatural elements so it's like a fine balance where the stories can be fun and light-hearted without losing the authenticity of the threat so, a good Ghostbusters story will have it. It will it will keep things lighthearted without making fun, without without making you laugh at the ghost yeah. too much. So it's, so it's where, more like the banter and the uh, yeah, them sort of lampshading the ridiculous of the situation, but with not uh, minimizing the threat or anything. Exactly. Like yeah. So it, it it keeps the balance pretty well, and the teams on both of these two books they get the formula right, and that's what makes these comics great. And that's why IDW seem to be killing it with the Ghostbusters right now, because whoever they put on these books, they've they've got this formula nailed down. It doesn't matter which Ghostbusters team they're dealing with; it doesn't matter, you know. It, they just seem to have that formula nailed, and it always seems to work, and it, it never. Never misses the mark, never falls short, and always does justice to its roots. So the real Ghostbusters comic actually, you know, felt like a real Ghostbusters story. And this this Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters team, that comic actually felt like a Ghostbusters story. It felt like the the character characterization was spot on. The 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 designs of the ghosts and the creatures were spot on. And there's just, I mean, I've said this time and time again on this show, and I do repeat myself when I talk about these Ghostbusters comics, but there's a lot of care and attention goes into these. And you can tell the people making them are fans. Definitely. It's great. Do you think these books are good for... Um, uh, so I asked this uh, like recently as well, but do you think these books are good for people jumping on? These one-shots will be, yeah, for sure. It's because I assume when people see like 35th anniversary, they might be scared. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know that. That's just that's just because Ghostbusters as a franchise, as a thing, has been around for thirty five years. Yeah, but I guess it's similar to the Batman thing that we had last yeah. episode, where it's like seventy. Uh, yeah, was it seventy or eighty? Eighty, eighty years. Yeah, eighty. Yeah, I mean, he looks so young, but um, uh, <laughs> yeah, eight, eighty years of Batman, and that might might be like, oh my god, where do I begin? Blah blah. But I yeah. think it's easier. Uh, to recommend, like, oh, uh, read this, because there's, like, loads of different collected stories where you can say to someone, oh, read this, or the, yeah. even that, uh, the Batman, um, the Detective Comics 1000, um, you're saying that uh, you could pick that up, because there's, like, just issues in there which give you the the feeling and essence of Batman, yeah. uh, without necessarily being, like, oh, in an issue yeah. 934, Detective Gordon said blah, blah, like, instead it just gives you sort of the essence. Yeah. You don't you don't need to have kept up. I mean, like with these Ghostbusters comics, these two one shots, you don't need to have kept up with recent events in the Ghostbusters universe. You can you can pick these one shots up, and you will be able to read them and enjoy them and have fun with them. Um, so we're going to go through the creative teams for the two now. So for the first one, which is the um, the original Ghostbusting team, uh, that is um, the one that is simply titled. Ghostbusters, and that is uh, written by Eric Burnham, art by Dan Schooning, colours by Luis Antonio Delgado, lettered by Neil um, Uitake, assistant edit- edits by Megan Brown, and edits by Tom Waltz. Uh, the second one, for two, which I've had the cover of as my phone background for the past couple of months, actually. Oh, really? Is, is that cool? Yeah. Um, it's the real Ghostbusters designs of the Ghostbusters team going hell for leather against a, what looks like a horde of ghosts, like a mound of ghosts with Slimer kind of like popping out. They're all kind of like, you know, animated in mid action, shouting, chucking traps, particle throwers drawn. It's, it's a pretty action packed looking cover. And, uh, the team for this one is written by... Uh, Cavan Scott, penciled by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Maria Keane, colours by Luis Antonio Delgado, and lettered by Neil Yukatake. Um Assistant edits by Megan Brown and Tom Watts. Uh, edits by Tom Watts. And uh, this is the real Ghostbusters in Spooks Away. And uh, they are... Uh, the guys are against a rival team calling themselves Spooks Away, who seem to be able to do the job a lot more efficiently than they do and always seem to be beating them to the punch. I wonder why that could be. <laughs> and it's kind of got shades of Ghost R Us about it because there was a similar episode of The Real Ghostbusters called Ghost R Us, which, um, in which a team of ghosts are posing as Ghostbusters and trying to put the Ghostbusters out of business by pretending to be better than the Ghostbusters. Um... And uh, this has shades of that, except they aren't ghosts, and it's 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 a it's a bit different. And uh, there's some cool things going on, and it it has a lot of nods to the real Ghostbusters show, a lot of nods to um, the now comics uh, Ghostbusters stories, and. It seems to have this kind of like um, 
yeah, it's it's great. It's great, one hundred percent. Um, and they are the two Ghostbusters one shots that I wanted to mention. And I think that's the end of my list. And I think uh, Leon, it's you. Yeah, next. I've got two more. I'll speak briefly about Ronan uh, Ronan Island Two. Yeah, so I haven't got spoke... round to this yet because I wanted to read it because we spoke about the first one. But yeah, anyway, uh, and last thing it was a couple of episodes <laughs> uh, episodes ago we spoke about the first one and. Um, yeah, I thought I'd uh, pick up number two and, and see how things are going. And, um, yeah, I think it's continuing in a, in a way that I like. Because you might remember on the episode where we discussed this, I was worried because I was like, uh, like, I like all the um, the intrigue and sort of politics of, like, a, a new Shogun sending his general and saying, blah, blah, it's like, bend the knee... Da, 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 and and like the island people being like, hey, we've survived by ourselves. Like, wh- what is this? The shogun's dead, as far as we know. And like, I, I did like that kind of push and pull. And then at the end, where they sort of introduce monsters, I thought like I was worried that it could sort of derail um, any of that sort of character um, development and that push and pull. But um, I think uh, Greg Pak and Janice, Milo Janice, Milo Janice have uh, done quite a good job with issue two to, um, despite the fact that they're under attack um, and there's like a lot of combat in this issue, um, a lot of those interpersonal and inter-community um, issues are still happening Um and you have things such as like occupation and um, the, sort of like the scenario of like an invasion, but the invasion is monsters and sort of the uncomfortable things you have to do for the greater good and how saving people who are kind of feel like your enemy, uh, you have to work with them because like the, the, the main bad guy, the monsters is coming. And it kind of reminded me of, Game of Thrones in that way, where, like, no spoilers for Game of Thrones, but the general idea, if you've ever been pop culture at all, is that part of the show is, like, House of Cards, but, like, uh, medieval. And then the other part of the show is that, oh, there's, like, uh, ice monsters coming to... Ice monster zombies coming to kill everybody. And the two push and pull things there are like, who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? Like, which of your favorite characters from blah, blah, blah is going to end up um, ruling over everyone at the end versus, oh, how is humanity going to fight off these ice zombie monsters? And uh, this kind of has this feeling here where the the two uh, younger characters uh, who are still quite brattish uh, having to work together, but work under the uh, the general who's working on behalf of the shogun, General Sato, and um, they're not happy with uh, the, like how things line up, but they do want to protect their town, and that seems to be the best way to do it. And I think that um, throughout this issue, they do a good job um, of building up. Uh, the different tensions with these characters um, and there's loads of different um, uh, like insecurities and feelings all these different characters have like there's issues of class 
um, issues of standing, issues of culture, a lot of bumping up against like history um, and like imperialism. Uh, and amongst all that, there's some like really cool action against like monsters, zombie horses, and all, all types of things. And um, I think that despite the fact there's like a bunch of uh, like a lot going on, I think that uh, the the creative team here are able to efficiently and cleanly uh, sort of bring us into this situation and understand it from uh, various characters' point of view because, like, General Sato seems like a dick, but he's not evil. He's doing what he thinks is the best to save everybody they can. and But, like, he, he his uh, ideas and forms of survival seem quite, come off as cold and dickish and, like, just uh, straight to the point and the islanders are worried about, like, obviously losing everything, but also losing their identity and, like, being being ruled upon. And this is, like, a bad time for, like, tragedy to strike. And then also they have to deal with this new invisible shogun. Um, and, like, to get us to that point, um, I think the the continued use of, of colour is, is great, especially with how fire is used and the orange glows... Um, it do, it does have this. Uh, it just it, it builds this like intense feeling, especially during the fight scenes, but also this like warm, airy glow that I, I think works really well when you're in in a, in quite an otherworldly battle against like sort of rock looking zombies who just won't die. Um, but it also retains that that uh, that island. Uh, like Pacific Island uh, type look with lots of uh, blues and greens um, that makes you feel like that you're detached from the rest of the world. And part of that is like a blessing in a way, but under these circumstances, it's actually scary because like they could be attacked at any time and there's worries about how how easy it is for the, the monsters um, to get to them. And then amongst that, you've got, like I've said, you've got all the butting of heads of the different, uh, like, leaders. And, uh, yeah, I feel like it's leading somewhere um, uh, that could be quite fresh. Um, and it's like, it says it's uh, the second of 12 issues. So it seems like it'll be a nice, um, fairly compact run. So um, I'm hopeful for what happens going forward and how they build upon uh, the, the the themes and actions and the characterization that they have, uh, have, uh, have laid out in these first couple of issues. Mm. I, I need to read issue two. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you, you, you would like it. I think it, uh, it, it, it pleases, I think it will please both of us who ha- going off issue one had different feelings about where it could possibly go. Yeah. And I think it will please both of us in that way. Um, so, so many comics and so little time. I have to pick and choose. That is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Ronin Island 2. This yeah. is uh, written by Greg Pak, illustrated by uh, Janice 
Milo, Milano, Janice. I always ruin, ruin this because the, uh, the O in the middle. I'm, I'm sorry, Janice. I, I will keep messing it up. And if I miss, meet you at a thought bubble, I'm really sorry. But, uh, <laughs> uh it's, uh, colored by, uh, Irma Nivilla and the letters are done by Simon Boland. And of course, this is Boom Studios. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I can, I can speak for issue one being great. We reviewed it, um, a couple of episodes ago, like Leon mentioned. So. I have actually been looking forward to issue two. I just haven't got around to it yet. It's one of those things that's just sitting in the stack. Uh, the cover is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like Sato standing in there. Like, it looks like the forest, but it's it's like uh, twilight-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sh- he's um, showing down... Uh, it's like a showdown between someone like in the foreground who we can't see who's in, who's in, um, who's in shadow. And just just the way his his stance is, you can feel it's like duty, uh, like you just feel it coursing through his veins, duty and honor, and protecting people by any means possible. Because that's it's really that's cool what cover. <laughs> like it could be that's a poster. Thing. It's yeah. it's a really good cover. But yeah, I need to. I definitely need to reissue too. Um, and then the last one is another one from the pool list last week that you read, isn't it? Yes. Which I've I kind of flicked through this as well, which is faithless. Yes, it's Boom Studios again, and this is uh, Brian Azzarello and Maria Lovett's Faithless. So the, the the blurb, which is on the cover, it's like a subtitle, is an erotic depiction of faith, sex, and the devil in the, in the tradition of the Divine Comedy. Uh, and the cover is really cool. It's uh, basically two of the main characters, uh, Faith and Poppy, in a shower that is spraying blood on them and uh, they're sort of about to embrace. And, uh, it does cover um, the, it does cover the general, um, general the general feeling. Of, yeah. yeah. General themes of the book. And that's, that's the cover by uh, Paul Pope and the, co- uh, the colors are done by Daniel uh, Semenas. So yeah, this is a book where we, basically follow this character called Faith. Uh, she's an artist. Uh, she is obsessed with magic and, like, the occult. Um, uh, but, like, as the opening ten panels uh, give us, which is a really cool layout, uh, she's just unfulfilled. Um, she can't get off. She can't even get off. Uh, she can't even start her morning and get herself off. So she's incomplete, and, and she's obsessed with magic. Uh, we meet her friends uh, at the local coffee shop, which uh, one of her friends is um, like the the cashier at the front. And it seems like that thing where like these, these cool, colourful characters with various different colours in their hair, uh, and uh, they're just hanging out. You've got um, a character who is, I believe her name's Aya, who like dates and ghost guys on a Tinder like app. Uh, and she's quite aloof. Um, you have got, uh, there's a male character who name I cannot find, but anyway, um, and they seem quite chill. Um, they're just there for the banter. Really? It feels like, um, and uh, the cashier character, whose name I can't remember either. Maybe it wasn't said. Anyway, 
she is very uh, critical of uh, Aya's ghosting ways, um, and she's very um, she, she worries about faith. Uh, because she thinks the, the occult stuff is dangerous. And like, even if she doesn't believe it, she's scared that maybe she might actually unlock something and she's scared what will happen if Faith does that. I can, um, I can empathize with that. <laughs> because I've, um, like, I can, emp- like, the, you know, like, even, even if you don't truly believe in something, you can still fear it. Yeah. And that makes sense uh, to me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like being supernatural agnostic. Like, say yeah. you don't believe in ghosts, but you, 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 if you stay somewhere and that someone tells you it's haunted, yeah, uh, uh, that little part of your mind might be thinking, man, like, just don't speak Latin in this thing. Don't open that book and don't push this thing. Like, I don't believe it, but I mean, you're pushing so close, you might yeah. unlock it. Type it's thing. like, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy stories about that sort of stuff and I, I don't necessarily fully believe that it's you know any of it is going to happen or any of it could happen but you wouldn't catch me messing around with a ouija board yeah yeah <laughs> well exactly yeah because <laughs> you don't know you just don't yeah, know exactly no, i mean nothing's nothing's going to happen but you don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and yeah the 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 coffee shop um characters is is Ginny. um and yeah that they have their their uh discussions about all this and not to mess with it and it ends up with Faith accidentally, as she's getting ready to leave, knocking uh, one of the patrons' coffees in, uh, over herself. And it's a woman with uh, sort of uh, turquoise, maybe aquamarine, like turquoise hair. And she spills her coffee all over her. And uh, Faith is really sorry, but like the, the, the woman, the mysterious woman, she like changes top in front of the in front of Faith and Faith's sort of embarrassed and she's like, wow, this, uh, this woman's quite, uh, quite aloof and free, <laughs> fairly European. <laughs> like, um, and, but she, uh, she takes it really well. Um, she's not mad and she says like, um, nothing to worry about. I don't know. Do you want to hang out? Um, uh, so what happens is that, and I'm not going to run through the whole thing. I'm just giving, some of the the, the basic yeah. uh, plot points, yeah. but yeah, they they bump into. Uh, she introduces herself. Her name's uh, Poppy, uh, and she is she wants to leave through the back because there's some guy hounding her who is her ex. Blah 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 blah. Uh, he confronts. Blah blah blah. Like she she uh, pushes him away. Like I don't want to hang out with you. Go away. So, anyways, uh, something really strange happens regarding um, a character we've met before. And Poppy's strangely aloof about it, um, but she lampshades it as being just her way of coping. Uh, and anyway, they uh, they sort of deal with that in, in their own way, um, end up spending the day together, like hanging out, bonding. Um, and like, I mean, to cut a long story short, the cover happens, <laughs> uh, but with uh, but less stylized. And they, they end up... Uh, end up hooking up and i mean sounds good like yeah yeah you, 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 you meet someone who looks cool uh uh who seems quite fun and mysterious and uh seems to share a lot of interest with you it's like sounds good or whatever blah blah and uh, you end up going over theirs and hooking up sounds great doesn't it sounds great but without ruining what the final panel is it's pretty horrific, and uh, yeah, 
from what from what we've been told in like the earlier blurbs and stuff like that, there's definitely something satanic going on with Poppy. We don't know what it is, but we just know it's effed up. And I think, uh, just based off this first issue, this is one definitely to pick up and follow. Um, obviously it's quite, uh, erotic in places, fairly sexy, I, I think you could say, but none of it feels, um, gratuitous and it doesn't, there's never a feel of, um, like the, the art sort of, uh, objectifying the characters at all. It all feels quite uh, intense, um, but like intense and real, but it doesn't feel like uh, smutty. I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but um, yeah, it's, it's quite um, adult in that way. So if you re- don't read this on the train, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Like, cause the first page will get you. <laughs> don't yeah. read, don't read this on the train, but it's uh, it's pretty good. And um, I quite like that in like, small amount of pages, they're able to give us sort of feel of a lot of these characters, especially the, the, the main two. We don't know too much about them, but just little actions and, and little things from like conversations they've had, uh, they have, uh, uh, over the course of it. It's, it seems that, um, uh, that I don't know, like they're, they seem to be characters who are going to be fleshed out a bit more and, and I, I kind of like the idea of this. It it gives me feelings of like a Dario Argento horror movie from like the late seventies or the early eighties. Yeah, it it does have that energy about it. And um, also, just to bring up like one of my favorite lines: um, "Do you day drink?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that that I, I love it. It's so fun, so easy. It's yeah. just like. Yeah, let's do this. Let's hang out. <laughs> let's day drink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, I really like the, um, the look of it. It has this, uh, it's hard to, hard to explain, but it has this sort of like, um, you have a lot of, like, none of the boxes are like drawn with a ruler. Instead, there's a, a very looseness to them. The color bleeds out at times. Um, yeah. that all the designs like, there's a, I don't know, an, an, ex, an expressionism to it, but the, the, uh, all the faces and character designs are really, um, detailed mm. and there's a lot of, uh, personality in how these characters look. And that's what the friend was called. The male friend is called Malcolm. But, um, yeah, that like facial expressions and, uh, everything feels detailed and it, even down to the, the, the pics of like how different characters have their, have their hair dyed. Like all of it has like a, a quite a cool purpose, but then it's given this like this nice sort of um this loose feeling, which I don't know, it, it keeps things quite punchy and quite um quite light. Which I like I could see how you could easily get quite dour with a story that seems to be bordering on like uh, some quite fun Satanism. Don't quote me, don't don't take that out of content. <laughs> fun Satanism, yes. I mean, uh, probably said worse during the Sabrina chat. Anyway, the, um, but like, um, yeah, I, I think that it, it nails all that, all of that stuff really well. And I know it, it's, I think it's a good way to sort of bring you in as a reader. Mm. Um, and part of that, I mean, 
you could extrapolate is that the main character Faith, she doesn't seem to be sort of working in the lines herself, and she seems I don't know a bit a bit adrift. Uh, so that she meets up with this quite confident, aloof person. Um, I don't know that there's definitely sparks um, flying there, and yeah, I think I think what it's what it, what it's doing so far is quite a fun setup. If you think like um, I don't know a romantic comedy or something like that, this is like early on with, with a, like. Uh, if it's one of those ones where they, they meet and hook up and then something strange happens, this, this is that, but the something strange happens here seems to be super strange. So I'm definitely uh, looking forward to reading issue two. I am. Um, um, and, uh, but I will not be reading it on the train. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Don't read this in a public place. I've seen that, um, that final panel and uh, like when it, it's a really good place to leave to leave the book. It's yeah. like it's, it's like a really good hook for an ending. Like I love how it finishes on that. Like that is exactly what you want from a cliffhanger. Yeah, and it's a cliffhanger for, for us. Yeah, and not the character, which is what I quite like. Yeah, so is it? Well, it's a cliff. Yeah, it's it's a it's the perfect place to kind of like cut it and leave it. It's the perfect hook to bring you on board for the next however many issues this is going to run for and what you were saying about like how expressionistic the art is and you know with the lines and everything else and i i can echo that it is it's a beautiful book it really is um and it has it has that kind of um that that energy of a sort of um like horror movie one of, like one of Dario Argento. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like a, a sort of slow build up, but every, everything's not quite right. Like, yeah, there's something, there's something rotten at the core of everything. Yeah, like th- yeah. this seems all fun, but like if we were watching this in his, one of his movies, uh, the score, the the music would be going, and it'd be really unsettling, um, and we would just be off kilter and i think that the line line work especially on the panels yeah does that really well do you know what else has that kind of vibe about it um there was a comic that i read um and talked about on this show um underwinter okay um and that was like way way back um we're talking like the fifth show we recorded (laughs) <laughs> so if you want to go back and listen to me fumble through talking about comics um, and talking about Underwinter, then that's where you go. Um, Underwinter had a very similar vibe. Definitely. Did you end up completing that? I did. And it's great. And yeah. uh, well, I should can... go back. Yeah. It's it's there. It's uh, there as a TP now. It's been collected, so... Yeah, maybe I'll go back and check that out. You should. It's brilliant. Um, the artwork on it is very ethereal, very uh, watercolour. It's, uh, it's a gorgeous book. Um, and it is Ray Fawkes, uh, writer and artist. 
it's worth checking out. But yeah, that was uh, Underwinter, which has a very similar vibe to this in that way. But yeah, yeah. like if uh, you guys like the sound of this, um, definitely check it out. It's uh, Faithless by Boom Studios. Story by Brian Azzarello, the art done by Maria uh, Lovett, and the letters done by Andwell Design. So, uh, that is the end of the list. And that brings us on to the pull list. So, I mean, I've got my pull list. Um, I'll just go, starting with the 17th of March. Uh, March? We're, it's April now. Come on, man. Remember which month it is. Jeez. 17th of April, which is going to be when this episode is available. And uh, on the 17th of April, I've only got two titles. We've got uh, the next in the Ghostbusters 35th anniversary um, sort of collection of one shots, which is the Answer the Call Ghostbusters, which is looking pretty swish. Um, In this one, uh, we have writer Devin Grayson. S.L. Gallant is the artist and cover artist. We have a, a variant cover by Anthony Marquez. Um, do demons get visitation rights? That's the question facing harried young mother as she tries to accommodate a stream of otherworldly visitors intent on paying their respects to her half-demon toddler. When the ghosts begin to herald the arrival of the girl's father, rumoured to be a Class 7 entity, Mommy knows who she has to call. The answer to the call Ghostbusters, Erin, Abby, Patty and Holtzman, find themselves mediating the custody battle from hell. And it's a scorcher. So that that sounds quite fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, also on the list, I have Assassination Number 2, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, and that'll be worth picking up if... Uh, if you heard the glowing review that we gave the first issue, because it is brilliant. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's the one that uses the, uh, the really cool, uh, onomatopoeia that are really satisfying to say like tromed and scanners. <laughs> and it's really high action and, uh, it's just great fun. Um, on the 24th of, uh, April, we have Thanos number one, which is the beginning of a new run of Thanos. Uh, now, this one begins, Thanos is dead, executed by the deadliest assassin in the galaxy, his daughter, Gamora. But before their relationship came to a bloody end, how did it begin? Find out in this all-new miniseries by Tinny Howard, uh, Marble Knights 20th and Age of Conan Bailey, and Ariel Olivetti, Death of the Humans. Uh, so, writer, Tini Howard, um, artist, uh, Ariel Olivetti, um, cover artist, Jeff DeCole, variant covers by a whole host of people. And um, so this is going to be uh, the story of Thanos and Gamora, basically. So Gamora's childhood um, and how Thanos shaped her into what she became and how she eventually killed him. And that sounds kind of interesting, um, especially to me, a Thanos fan. Uh, we've also got Jughead the Hunger versus Vampironica. God. <laughs> Who will win? Oh, yes. So, um, if you've ever heard me talk about Archie horror books before, you've... I've, I mean, I've talked about Vampironica a few times. And I'm pretty sure you've heard me mention Jughead the, the Hunger before now. Jughead the Hunger is basically a book about werewolves jughead is a werewolf vampironica is what it says on the tin it's vampire veronica um 
And uh, in the world of Jughead the Hunger, there are no vampires, having been wiped out in their great war with the werewolves. In the Vampironica universe, the opposite is the case, as it was the vampires who were the victors. So what happens when these two eternal enemies are brought together again? Whatever it is, it can't be good for poor old Jug and Vampironica. You can count on that much. It sounds like, you know, uh, the Kate Beckinsale and her Underworld films. Yeah. Like in Riverdale. Yeah, but like Kate Beckinsale's Underworld was a dark and moody, serious version of things <laughs> that they used to do in the 70s anyway. So <laughs> this is this is going to be like um, some kind of like B-movie. I'm hoping it, it's it's what I want it to be, which is B-movie grindhouse trash, basically. <laughs> like, I want that kind of feeling about it. I want it to be that B-movie horror, like slasher fest monster movie thing. Do you know how long it's going to run? I don't. Seems like it could be a nice uh, short, like four to six issues. A nice six issues would be good. Mm. Um, uh, For me, it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to reading, having, you know, having read Jughead, The Hunger and Vampironica. Um, And then uh, also we've got a, the, fourth of the 35th anniversary Ghostbusters one-shots, which is Extreme Ghostbusters, which isn't something I get to say very often, because these guys don't get a lot of love, the old Extreme Ghostbusters. You don't tend to see them in many places, and um, it's always interesting when you do, when they do pop up. So, to read the blurb for these guys... Um, the 35th anniversary of the Ghostbusters is upon us. Let's celebrate with four spectacular weekly comics featuring different Ghostbuster teams in all new standalone adventures. Some people wish for the ability to fully communicate with the animals around us. But when the furry, feathered and finny inhabitants of the Central Park Zoo start talking and demand their release, the people of New York just wish they'd shut up. Egon Spengler and his extreme Ghostbusters race to answer the call, unaware of one creature's fiendish plot to control the possessed animals and drive them to attack humanity in revenge for their incarceration. So, this is the extreme Ghostbusters in an all-new adventure. And, um, like I say, I mean, we had the extreme Ghostbusters turn up in Ghostbusters crossing over, but they're not a team that turn up often. You don't see them in very many places, and within these Ghostbuster comics as well, like, they seem to be a little bit forgotten about, and, I mean, I don't know why, because Extreme Ghostbusters was a cool show. Um, but we've got Jim Beard writing duties, um, Keith Dallas is a writer also, Tim Latty is a cover artist and artist, and, uh, got a variant cover by Anthony Marquez. Marquez. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the variant cover actually looks um that's like more the that's basically just an aping of the original designs of the characters from the show Hmm. um which looks really cool i quite like the variant cover actually because that's you know and it's got the extreme ghostbusters logo in the top corner um i mean the other cover's really nice as well there's a lot going on on the other cover it's like a big splash of all kinds of activity all the characters in the firehouse some uh, sentient creatures, some ghosts and ghouls. But yeah, it's just, um, it's all pretty cool looking. And that brings the pull list to an end. Leon, have you got anything for your reading list? Uh, yes, but, um, I'm going to be vague, but I am 
doing something we don't do as often as we should on this podcast, and that's going to be reading some manga. Ooh. So I'm going to be reading right to left uh, and spooking myself out um, for you guys. So uh, watch the space. Um, but um, I'll have a few um, books to talk about next episode. Nice, yeah. Um, and that has been Ace Comicals episode number 60. So you can find us at www.acecomicals.com, which is kind of the hub for everything we do. You can find us to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn and Castro. Uh, you can find me, Greg, um, under at Bato on Twitter, which is uh, B-A-T-T-O-U. Uh, you can find Ace Comicals on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. You can get involved with the conversation. You can DM us. Uh, you can at us, um, you can leave comments on our show on the website. Um, you, if you have any, if you want to get in touch via email, you can get in touch with us via acecomicals at gmail.com. You can send us your silly scenarios or, um, strange, weird questions and we'll do our best to answer them in an entertaining way. And Leon, um, where can we find you? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter, uh, at Leon Everett. And that has been Ace Comicals. Uh, Ace Comicals over and out. <laughs>